Long days and pleasant nights. Okay, so this is the second part of my interview with my sister, Molly Catherine Miller. Um, I would encourage you to also go onto iTunes, and if you like the show, please rate and review it. It helps, you know, bump up numbers and stuff like that. That'd be really great. Um, also, if you have any extra money lying around, I have a Patreon account. Go on to Patreon, look up Positive and Negative, and you can find me there. But let's begin the real reason you decided to listen, which is not this shameless self-promotion that I've just given you, but of course, the interview. Also, to quick recap, we're talking about fractured identity and how that works and all that good stuff. Right, so, uh, <laughs> um, it's, uh, so it's, it's very, I, the way that I think of it is, literally, each day I wake up a new person. I am literally resetting every single day. Huh. And that's... That's, that's crazy talk. It's, it's weird. It's not, it's <laughs> not the, it's not the best. And like... It's not the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't like... It's not like I don't remember who I was. Yeah. But it is, it's separate from who you are now. Who I like, am now in a very fundamental way, in a very like I'm now working on this portion. Um, there's a I'm trying to think of how what, what the term is and I don't remember. Okay. But it's when someone takes a parallel narrative and use a fictional yeah. parallel narrative and uses it to describe their mental state. So like, oh I've created this world. Mm-hmm. Paracosm. That's the word that I'm looking for. Paracosm. The person it's just two canyons. Par- yeah, a paracosm is a uh, someone. There is a uh, fictional world that parallels the real world, and there's different characters that represent different aspects. Yeah, one to one ratio. Um, whatever that so, is. So allegory. We're talking about Basically, allegory. Basically, it's an extended allegory yeah. throughout a person's life, and some okay. people like. Uh, grasp onto that and keep that going through a good chunk of their life. Uh-huh. Um, like they'll be writing it or they'll be just identifying with it? Both? No, they create it themselves. Okay, they create it themselves. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and so a normal person would take that same land and would, would run with it their, basically their entire life. Yeah. With very, like, there might be one or two changes in characters, but it's basically a, a pretty constant yeah. narrative with uh, fractured identity it's like every so often that world stops and you start a new one yeah and there's like I can go okay if I was to do a paracosm of of this period of my life Mm -hmm. I would have the mask the jester these characters specific characters and then one day I will wake up and I will have a set of six new characters yeah and so it it's it's a chunk of time that splits up like that in a very odd way that normally people don't. <laughs> I would imagine it's some sort of coping mechanism to deal with the, the PTSD because if you go, well, that wasn't me, then you could go, oh, that wasn't me, so it's not a problem. Um, and I feel like, okay, here's the interesting part. I um, the re- People will go, Tristan, do you ha-? I used to. I don't anymore, and but I think this is... And the reason I had a problem with it was this. It's the same thing. But um, listening to stuff you do or watching yourself on screen and like that sort of thing, I used to be incredibly anxious about it. 
Um, and it, and I used to think it was because I was self-conscious about it, but it's not. It's because I don't really, like, I don't not recognize myself, but I don't recognize myself at all. Like, I'm just watching a movie. It's just it's like, it's like I'm watching any other thing. It's like I'm listening to any other podcast. It's like I'm reading any other poem. I'm just reading it. Maybe not poems. Poems are very much me, I feel like. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I don't. Like, I don't go, oh, that's me doing that thing. And so I feel like it's kind of similar to what you're describing, only... It's, I would imagine, like, just a more severe case of depersonalization. Yeah, I was like, I, think, I feel like you're going into depersonalization. Yeah. Um, rather than, like, specific fractured identity. Yeah. Um, depersonalization is a whole other bucket of fun. I've had that, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, As you do. Yeah, there's... It's... There are two components that can happen with the, like, with seeing the world as unreality. Yeah. And that's derealization mm-hmm. and depersonalization. Yeah. Derealization is when everything outside of you feels unreal. Yeah. Depersonalization is when you feel unreal. So, for those of you who have smoked marijuana, you've probably experienced both. Because that's a big thing. Um, yeah. Sorry, Mom. You know that about me now, I guess. I'll probably cut that out. Um, but... (laughs) Knock it off! Um, and it's, uh, it's really scary when that happens. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and that's, I think that's one of the closest things that you can come to legitimately feeling crazy. Yeah, because you don't feel like yourself, and you don't feel like anything's real, and you're just kind of a panicky, um, situation, um... It was interesting, because, uh, Miles is, and my, I guess, friend, and your friend, Ami, um, mm-hmm. I was talking to Miles, uh, about, like, there are days where things don't feel real, and she decided to use the, like, this is why literature and the arts are so important, because in Stephen King's Dark Tower, there's the idea of toe dash, which is, um, it, it feels like, um, it's a state you go into when you're time traveling, where it doesn't feel like it anything's actually happening and she was describing that and Miles was like oh she finally has like she he was very happy because he's like oh we we finally have a name for this I'm like oh it's this and this and he's like oh I'm like yeah that's what's happening when you do that it's because your brain is too stressed out and can't deal with what's going on so you're like la 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 it's the it is the mental equivalent of covering your ears and going la 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 I'm not listening la 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 basically um when you when you have uh, high levels of stress or trauma, your your brain does shut down parts of itself. Yep. Um, and one of the parts of that it shuts down is <laughs> is the awareness of the world around you, and that is a survivor survival mechanism because uh, when you're being attacked by something, mm-hmm. it uh, reduces your um, or not perception, but the impact of of the attack. Yeah, you're less sensitive to it. Yeah. If you go, oh, this isn't actually happening, then I'm not going to be as hurt by it. You have a lot of cases of people who were who were raped or sexually assaulted who yep. completely disconnect from that. Yep. And and that is the brain going. There is too much going on. If we think about it, we're going to explode. So I'm shutting this down. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the same thing as like if you're going through hypothermia. Yep. And your your body shuts down 
the blood circulation yeah. to your extremities because it's trying to conserve the energy mm-hmm. in the vital organs. That is what your brain does when you're going through a traumatic event. And I, I do want to say that that extends to um, memory, mm-hmm. uh, verbal communication skills, uh, the way that you perceive the world around you, um, uh, a lot of your basic functionality like uh, bathroom control, eating habits, all of that type of thing. So if you're going through a really traumatic event, it is not uncommon for you to not be able to talk, for you to have uh, temporary amnesia about something, for you to not need to use the bathroom or to not be able to control going to the bathroom, all of these different things that like are <laughs> Im- really interesting and really horrible. I would imagine it's similar to shock like is kind of what you're describing as well like when and like I I know I've talked to a couple of veterans and I've talked to like our our dad has talked to a lot of veterans and like they've all described that same thing when you're going into combat your brain start like everything kind of slows down you don't hear as well you lose control of certain aspects and it's it's in a way it's a beautiful thing your brain does cuz Otherwise, you'd have to deal with it, and you can't. So it's it's an immune system response. Um, but some people have like the the autoimmune form of that, where it just happens when it's uh, the line at Taco Bell is too long, and they're stressed out about it because like everyone's got different levels of sensitivity. And your brain, once it recognizes that uh, that something is a threat, will continue to look for like patterns, which yes. is why triggers happen. Yes. So if you, like, like with me, I've had a miscarriage, and so my brain knows that there are certain words, like baby, mm-hmm. that once I once it hears that, it will shut everything down. Mm-hmm. Um, so there have, there have been moments that where I'm, like, at work, and someone in another room that I can mm-hmm. hear just sort of yeah. will be talking about their kids. Mm-hmm. And I won't realize that that conversation has happened until it is over and I'm on my way home. And then I will suddenly remember that that thing happened. And I'm like, that was my brain trying to protect me from freaking out because it knows I'm at work, I have to do work. Yeah. (laughs) Ain't nobody got time to be triggered right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to put that over there, and then once you're in a safe spot, then you can process it. I think you should write a book about um, PTSD called Trigger Happy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to definitely keep that. Gonna definitely keep that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm like not get too personal stuff. That must be really rough because like at least once a month you have a major trigger. So yep. that must be, and specifically with what also happens physiologically, mm-hmm. that must be really fun. Um, now we're gonna talk about periods for a bit. Okay. Um, I guess I this is where the conversation's going. Sure. Um, because that's also different because um, what's interesting I haven't gotten quite to that part of the book, but um, I'm listening to this book about bipolarity whereas because of that bipolarity is happens in women way different than it happens in men and the symptoms are a lot different so a lot of and what's shitty is a lot of people don't recognize it because of that Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, because there's, and I was saying this to Margaret when I was talking about it, like, not that you listen to my podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it was this thing of like, when women act emotionally, men dismiss it more than anything else. 
and it's really frustrating as a person who is all is uh, a male gendered person, it, and like quit making us look bad, pretty <laughs> much. Because like it's also because everyone's that um like not that much, but everyone is emotional in some way. Yep. Unless you have no, even like even sociopaths have emotions. They just have no empathy, and that's different. Um, but it's just. But it's since people are so dismissive, and I would imagine that that causes the other thing, the the borderline, a lot, because and I would imagine, I would imagine a lot of Freud's stuff was ba- he was interviewing a lot of old like, not old like middle aged housewives at the time. And I would imagine that that's what skewed that base for his science. Because I would imagine they were all being very dismissed and they, they were developing borderline symptoms because that's how your brain copes with that. And then what's the, I, the thing that's got to be frustrating for you is like, it's not your fucking fault. This just happened. I'm trying to deal with it. Like, I can, I, I can empathize with you there because I have something that's similar and it's just, I'm trying to deal with it, sometimes I'm bad at it, and that's not my fault, because it's just like, this thing just happened to me, I didn't fucking ask, it's like, this is why X-Men is so important, thank you. Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's been like 30 seconds of me talking at you. <laughs> None of it was about menstruation. Uh, women's menstruation. rights. <laughs> it should be women's stration, really. With a Y. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women. Yep, yep, yep. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, but no and. Yes. yes. Okay. Um. It's. Yeah. Shh. Sorry. The chemistry that women have is really interesting in how it affects uh, cyclical disorders. Yes. Um. Such as bipolarity, cyclothymia, etc. Yes. Uh. Because the moon, yeah, because they're so hormones are very like when they work right, they're great, they are very predictable. They're like they're like Jake Gyllenhaal. There's there's um, you can definitely predict where you're where you're going, yeah, where you are in your cycle, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's a fun game, um, and I use fun with the most sardonic intonation that I can possibly give it, um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to, uh, try to figure out which parts of your chemistry are affecting which parts of you. Yes. So, like, okay, um, a neurotypical woman has these influxes of hormones. Yep. And they will make uh, make her happy at times, they will make her sad at times, and they will like they will affect her base emotions. Alright. So you throw bipolarity in the mix and now you've got some months where you're where you're manic through that entire cycle. Mm-hmm. Um or you're depressed through that entire cycle. Or you're manic through part of it and depressed through part of it or vice versa and like it's it's this nice little complicated mess um because it will it will affect you differently yep um 
this is going to be probably TMI for then my I'm brother Tristan. Um, <laughs> Look, I've been living with you my entire life. Uh, like, I, there were two, like, I've seen a lot of tampons. That's not how this is going to get. Yeah, I know, but, but like. Yeah, yep. Um, so when you have your first, the first week of your cycle. Break it down. Yep. I'm not, I don't want you to rap. I'm just going to give some undertones. Yeah, please don't. Okay. Um, it's like, <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you're calm, like, things are getting ready to ha happen. Mm -hmm. So usually, that's not going to really affect terribly a lot with your manic or your depressive states. The second week mm -hmm. in your cycle is horny week. Yep. And that's when your body is like, you need to get pregnant. The other thing is, I've had a few girlfriends. I'm aware of how this cycle works. Right. When you are manic, that, uh... That is like... That <coughs> becomes hypersexuality. Yep. And that is one of these... That, that's a thing in and of itself. Yep. Um, when you're depressed, mm -hmm. it's a very... It's a much more complicated... Like, I want to, but I also... Oh, I'm so... I don't feel good about myself. Or, like, I don't deserve this. Yeah. Or you get into... Depending on your past history, you start to rethink of all of your experiences with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that type of thing. Yep. And the third week is, like, your body saying, Oh, I think I'm pregnant. Yeah. And so then, uh... When you're manic, then you're all sorts of more impulsive. You, you are convinced, number one. Yep. And number two, you start, like, picking out baby names. Yes, I was like, it's it's very much the, like, I, this is a great idea. Having a baby is a great idea. When you're depressed, oh god, oh god, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I'm pregnant? Even what if the I world was made of pudding? Sorry. Yep. Even if I haven't had sex in the last year, what if I'm pregnant? Yeah. Um, and then in the nice final week, you've got... Oh, you're also, like, super hungry that week. I just, like, because your body is like, I must be pregnant. I gotta, like... Yeah, I gotta start I, feeding this yeah. thing, yeah. So, when you are depressed, you're like, oh, God, I'm eating everything. The why am I is so, hungry. Why am I so fucking hungry it's horrible, and I'm getting so fat, and all of these horrible things the are happening. The and then that feeds the, like, I'm getting so fat, am I pregnant because I'm getting fat? It's a nice fun mess. I... Um, <laughs> and then look, the final week is when you actually, like, have your period. And so when you're manic, there are times where you're like, it'll probably be okay if I don't change my pad right now. It's not. It's never okay. You should always change your pad. You use a pad, you. Uh, when when you're sleeping. Oh. Cause uh, ain't nobody got time to wake up halfway through the night and change your tampon. That's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna definitely like make sure the audience <laughs> knows we talk, we talk about this like in the description because, like at minute blah, we start talking about ladies' days, yeah. and your month. Uh, what 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 did they say in Call the Midwife? Your monthlies? No. Something like that. Something like that. It's like a really cute name for something that causes everyone a lot of pain. Yep. But anyway, continue. And, um, when you're depressed, you're just, like, miserable. Yep. And... 
You're like Gregory House. You're depressed and in pain constantly. And so you have like, you have that how that how bipolarity affects things. Mm-hmm. Then we have multiple diagnoses. It just gets all the more fun. Yep. All the more fun. So what I'm hearing is it's way harder to be a man. Is what I'm hearing. It's yeah. just so difficult being a dude. Yeah. Ugh, the buff. Like I might, I might not have a male president to look to. I don't know. I don't know who to draw strength from anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you gonna do about those? Big, strong men. Ugh. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of my gender, if you haven't picked up on that, like, as a general, like, a general thing. We're kind of not good. But I also feel like people, as a general thing, aren't very like, good. Have you, have you looked in the news lately? Although it was really fun, um, noting that, uh, all of the mass shootings that have happened have oh. been by men. Yep, it's because, <laughs> and this is one of the main reasons I have a hard time with men, they're not taught how to process how they feel at all. Toxic masculinity. Yep, and it pisses me off, and like, as someone who, once again, is everything's towards self-actualization, everything's towards a deeper understanding of self, and because when you have, when you understand yourself, then you can help others. Like, you don't have to like yourself. As long as you understand and know where you're coming from, and then you, like, you're good internally, then you're allowed to help others. You can't pour out of an empty cup, so you, like, my, what I've been trying to do for the last, like, year and a half, two years, is just make sure my cup is overflowing, if I can. Um, but if you're, like, but you're, they're not taught at all how to deal with specifically like hurt like because men are most of the time just as sensitive as women but they're just taught to not be or that they shouldn't be and in going back to everything's related to everything that's kind of like a a bpd thing as well and that's why you get a lot of men who are like what's fascinating when i was reading that book because bpd presents itself completely different not completely differently, very differently in depending on who, what gender you are. Mm-hmm. And with men, it's um, generally like, uh, what's, it's not Dorian Gray, what's the, the guy's name from Fifty Shades? Oh, um... Like, I don't want to clump you in with him, but he, the, he clearly, Christian. Christian Gray clearly has at least BPD, if not full-on personality disorder. Because it is... Okay, BPD is a personality disorder. Okay, yeah, okay. But, but yes. You know, full on, um, because it's borderline... Anyway, yeah, um, because it has the, like, there's that stereotypical of, like, disregarding, um, people's feelings, um, being very manipulative, um, lack of empathy, um, and, uh, based off of a traumatic uh, event. It's like, just, just to go... Yep. To connect things go ahead. back... Um, that would actually be complex PTSD, okay. not BPD. Okay. Um, because he, he clearly had An traumatic events that, that caused his mental state rather than, um, an inherent way that he was being invalidated. Heard. Um, see that? That was good. <laughs> see, now I'm more informed and so are people who are listening, which is yep. the point of this. But like, and, but like, that's the stereotypical for BPD with men. It's, it is that like, kind of like, um, Jeffrey Winger from Community 
if you watch Community at all, is a great example of that. Like, he was oversensitive, was told that was bad, mm-hmm. and decided to not care. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's, since that's a stereotype, um, Barney from How I Met yep. Your Mother is an excellent example as well. And that's how it pervades in, in men. And, like, I feel like that's incredibly common. Because we're not told, like, luck, I lucked out because dad's not, like, the super most sensitive guy, but he's, like, he never was, like, you shouldn't feel this way. Or he didn't never, he never, he always said, I love you. And, like, he was very supportive. And it was, he's, I love my dad a lot. Like, yeah. he was a good, is good dad. is a great dad. Mom is also a great mom, but I, I he's my daddy. Great. But, parents are good. Yeah, we lucked out. Like, thank God we had good parents, because if not, we would have destroyed the world by now. Um, but but it's so common for that to be the, the case, and it, it angers me, because then that's not that person's fault, in a way. Like, I'm not absolving anyone of any, like, there's a difference between, okay. There's a difference between acknowledging the reason behind an action and excusing an action because of that reason. Like, a great Craig Ferguson thing is he's like, I'm an alcoholic, but that does not excuse me of any moral um, disgrace that I made. Or what he uses a different one, but like, it doesn't excuse, but it explains some of his more flamboyant choices. And I think we also have to recognize that. You can go, I have this thing, this is why I act this way, but it's not excusing me when I'm shit because, sorry, I'm talking at you a lot, but these are things that I've been wanting to express for a while. Um, everyone is going through something. So when people go, oh, don't mind Greg, he's being a jackass, but he's going through this thing. So what? Everyone else is, and I'm behaving well, despite what's going on with me. And it's how you deal with that, to me, that determines whether or not you're a, number one, well-adjusted person, and number two, a good person. I have two things okay. that I'm trying to remember. The first is that um, what you were saying about recognizing why people are the way that they are. Mm-hmm. I think that is very, very important, with, especially considering the stigmatization of personality disorders in particular. Yes. Um, because I know a lot of people will not deal with people with personality yep. disorders because they just, they don't want to deal with them. Yep. Um, and it's important to remember that a person with a personality disorder is not manipula- a manipulative person. They are not a uh, an angry person. They are they are dealing with these things and they're trying to figure it out. And some days they're doing good at it, and some mm-hmm. days they're, it's harder for them. Mm-hmm. And that, the, the two most stigmatized personality disorders are borderline personality and, um... Schizophrenia. No. no? Um, sociopath. Sociopathology. Yeah. Um, because both of those are personality disorders. Schizophrenia is not a personality disorder. Heard and word. Um, and there's a really, a lot of people look at people with um, borderline or with sociopathology and say they are bad people. But they're not. They have just 
been conditioned, and that's what it really is. It's your your chemistry has been conditioned to respond, respond a certain yeah. way. And so that's what you like that's Pavlov. what you know. Like that's how of course that's how you're gonna respond because that's how you've been trained to respond. Yep. And it isn't uh, personality disorders are unique in that way because they are not just your chemistry fucking things up for you. And they are not the world just fucking with you. It's they are both. They are both. Um, yeah. so it is it is literally your person the person's chemistry's fault, but it is also the environment's fault. Yep. And it's important to recognize that like, oh, we as a community are making it harder for these people. Mm-hmm. That's like <laughs> That's gonna worsen their condition and make them more Yeah. So like like what you were saying with the okay it's going to impact their decision making but there are things that you can do to make them better people yes and a lot of people won't take that step they will they'll be like that's you made that decision and it's your fault mm-hmm. instead of saying oh <laughs> i'm part of your community therefore i have affected how how you are conditioned to respond mm-hmm. um there was another thing that i was going to say well uh, and that was, um, was going along with the idea of, oh, everybody's dealing with something. Yeah. Yes, everybody is dealing with something. I feel like there are different levels of that. Yeah. So, like, and it, it's really easy to just lump people all together and be like, yeah, everyone's dealing with something, therefore you shouldn't deal with it that way. And that's where you get into the, like, invalidation stuff. Yeah. Because, like, if someone is having... <laughs> I saw this happen with uh, a lot of my friends after the Orlando shooting. Yeah. They're, they're grieving. Yeah. And uh, people will go to them and say, you shouldn't be grieving this way. And they're like, but I just went through this. My friend just died. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, everybody's going through something. Yes, everybody's going through something, but you have the right to go through your own shit mm. the way that you're going through it. <laughs> yes. And to have that experience validated and mm-hmm. be like, yes, I the the emotions you're experiencing are correct. Yep. <laughs> now don't go and shoot a bunch of other people. Yep. But you can totally grieve and express that in yeah. constructive ways. And that's what you should, and like, um, everyone has peaks and valleys in their life, and and even like, and two things, um, like that goes back to like also the causation of like, if you would just go, if we're more open and accepting about everybody, then you go, okay, we're all dealing with this, and we're all dealing with different things, um, we're all just trying to get through this thing called life, we don't really know what it's about, and we're doing that, and um, we if we just accept people. That, that'll help. Also, going back to the reason, and, and I know why, and like, I, I don't want to get too t- touchy with it, but specifically with um, the pathology thing, the reason we've decided that those people are bad people is this. Our entire construct of morality is based off of empathy. Feeling for other people. Looking outside yourself into someone else's shoes. That's why, like, I think kids are sometimes really shitty because they haven't developed empathy fully yet. And so it's frustrating dealing with them. Um, but, and so, um, but, you know, you crawl out of it, and that's, the, and that's that. But, like, uh, that's why sociopaths are, like, 
have that stigma to, to stigma to them because they don't have as much empathy or any empathy for other people and so they can't recognize when they're hurting someone really and that's not like that's a miswire in their brain and you're right that it is also society's fault for not going oh you feel that way okay then i'm going to tell you rather than just like assume you pick up on it it's kind of a similar thing not like i don't mean to clump everything but it's a similar thing to like autism where they have a hard time recognizing what facial expressions and that sort of thing mean right so if you sit down and go, I'm feeling this way because you did this thing, generally if you explain it like logically, there'll be at least an understanding to it and they can move forward with it, I find. Um, part of what makes sociopathology a personality disorder mm -hmm. is the fact that it is, again, nature and nurture. Yeah. A lot of uh, people with sociopathology have that, that initial, like, inclination towards it yeah and then were encouraged in one way or or uh taught that they cannot connect with others yeah so in their in their childhood somewhere they were taught that they have to be alone yeah that they have to look out for themselves and nobody else mm -hmm. and that's how they were conditioned mm -hmm. to exist so it is, again, a survival mechanism. It is a conditioned response. So it's not just that they, like, that they can't, um, that they can't recognize empathy. It is that they were taught to ignore empathy. Yep. So it is, again, like, partly their chemistry's yep. fault and partly society's fault. Or, or their families or whoever, mm -hmm. however they were taught that. And I just remembered... Um, something, and this is a huge thing, and can creak a lot in my chair. And it's a huge thing that bothers me, because people's personalities are not their illness. Like I am manic depressive, but I, that is not all I am, and I'm lucky in as much as my per underlying personality is generally pretty optimistic. Because if it wasn't, I would be dealing with this thing completely differently. It would probably be closer to Ernest Hemingway than Robin Williams. Like, in the spectrum of, like, here's... Well, I mean, I guess Robin didn't exactly... They both kind of didn't deal with their thing correctly. Boy! Um, but, like... Yeah, but, like, yeah. So that's another thing. Like, um, so, uh, but, like, dealing with it, like helping people versus being incredibly selfish because that was like that's another thing of like how we define a good person is whether or not you can help someone and like Hemingway clearly like I'm in so much pain no one can help me we want to help nope nope I'm just gonna be sitting mope 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 um whereas like Robin was like famed for like just going and just trying to help as many people as he could because he knew he had that power um, man, I thought of something good. Oh, right, that was something that I'm, I'm listening to this same book, and we got to we got to the chapter where it's like talking about suicide and suicide prevention. I'm like, oh, buddy. Um, there's this also weird thing of like throughout this entire book, like it will trigger things. Like listening to it will also trigger things. I'm like, oh, I'm starting to think about this more. I'm like, because you listen to the book. It's just because you listen to the book. It's fine. But um, according, to I am the demographic for suicide. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. I I like it's. Ooh. Um, because they're like going through the list. Um, thank God I'm sober, um, because that, um, because it was uh, like high anxiety, male, manic depressive, 
if you're drinking or taking recreational drugs. Those are like the, the yep. four things that I'm like, you should probably stop doing, don't kill yourself, please. And that's a terrifying thought. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we got on this subject, but it kind of, oh right, because of that. But like, um, but going back to it, uh, the thing is, um, there's these really, like they're cheesy um, subway ads, the, the Thrive Mm-hmm. Ads you've seen them on the subway of yeah. like blah does not define me today I fry which is actually really nice like that they're doing that yeah. like I really my good great yeah. Yeah. Um, but it uh, and it is um, because some things are the disease and some things I hate the word disease because it's like really belittling it's like a disease like I'm not comfortable like that's true but it, it's like worse than that some things are the illness and some things are just who I am as a person. And I think you gotta, specifically when you're just first coming and realizing and dealing with whatever diagnosis you have, you have to try and step back and look at that objectively. Like, my attitude towards life and my work ethic is me. I know those things for sure. But, like, when I'm hyperactive, that's probably something to do with my brain not working so great. And defining which part it is, and like specifically with something like um, hypomania, it's hard because when you're in that thing, when you're in the midst of that, you think you're really, really great, and you like yourself a lot, and it's hard to know whether or not you actually like yourself as a person, or you're just there's, you're just producing too much dopamine or whatever it is, and you're just like on a high, and th- that I think also goes to the identity factorialization thing of like who am I as a person who am I what parts are my disease what parts am I are this part of me that's dealing with this grief like and you kind of have to come to the conclusion that it's all you and that's okay and it's uh it's a lot harder when you have a personality disorder because that that fundamental this is my personality yep, is has been great. labeled as broken. Yeah. It has been labeled as like you some Bad. fundamental part of you that should determine if you're a good person or not is the cause of people treating you this way. It is the cause of you reacting this way. It is the cause of all of your problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the reason why your doctor won't see you. It is the reason why your girlfriend breaks up with you. Mm-hmm. It is the reason for all of the, this shit that's going on in your life. Um, and it's the reason that, like, that people want you gone. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and you can't separate the, uh, this is a disease. Mm-hmm. Because it is, this is how I've always been. This is how I was conditioned to be. This is, this is who I am. Which also, like you were saying, goes back into the fragmented identity mm-hmm. because you start to try to find identities in other things. Try to be like, I don't want to be a borderline. Mm-hmm. I want to be a writer. Oh, but even though I'm still writing, and you get to a point where you realize that that borderline part of you doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, maybe it'll go away if I become a writer or if I become an artist. You know, mm-hmm. if you just like kind of hop around. Hey Molly, mm. it's not your fault. Mm. Um, man, I had a, I had a joke and then I had an actual serious thing. Um, what did you just say? Uh, um, right before putting yourself in different 
So I just really listened to it, and I want to apologize for everyone because we had this air conditioner at least the whole time, and I didn't know. Kind of figured it'd be there, but like, what are you gonna do? It's a long summer day. It really is. Um, uh, what were you talking about? Um, yeah, again. Personality disorders. Um, the for those of you who don't know, the difference between a mood disorder and a personality disorder is basically the the flux that happens. Moods can come and they can go and they can change and they can. Seasons may change. Um, and they and they depend a lot on uh, days and circumstances yeah. and. Uh, hormones and all of those things. The weather as well. What? The weather? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and personality disorders aren't in that flux. They, <laughs> They're constant. they pretty much stay there the entire time. How much, how much they affect you does change, mm-hmm. but it, but the underlying thing is always, always there. Yeah. Okay. I could just like, in a way, the underlying personality of whomever has the disease it is there, but like the personality disorder is still there because the personality is there. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, just layer upon layer upon layer. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch. Cause there's People like, are complicated, guys. Yep, because there are like <laughs> chemistry-based uh, illnesses, there are mm-hmm. food-based illnesses, there are personality-based illnesses, there are events-based illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all different types of things. <laughs> yeah. Just like there are all types of illnesses for your physical body. Yep. There's, you know, I would argue that... Cheese and toes. Yep. <laughs> I would argue that any mental illness is a physical illness as well, and a lot of people don't understand. Like, because it's something wrong with your brain, which is part of... which is a physical thing. It, and it impacts your um, somatic behavior as well. Yep. It is not just your brain, it is, because like, okay, PTSD, it sits in your gut, it sits in your heart, yep. you carry it in yep. your shoulders, you carry it with, like... Yep, anxiety when, affects your breathing, it affects your heart rate, it affects how your mouth can move. Sometimes, like, um, one of my friends that I work with, uh, well, not that I work with, that I've worked with on a show, um, he has a, it's anxiety disorder that he can't pick things up sometimes, because mm-hmm. he gets shaky. Stuff like that. In fact, um, when you have something like PTSD, you learn to look to your somatic behavior to determine what's going yeah. on. Like deductive reasoning rather than inductive. Yep. Yeah, because like there are times when I will start biting my lips. Yep. And that's my cue that I'm hungry. Mm. Otherwise, I won't. I won't feel hungry because my brain has shut that part of me off. Mm. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, it's convenient. Good job, brain. Yep. I mean, it's it's trying to help, but it's, uh... <laughs> so, like... I feel like it's, like, a really needy friend that's, like, just trying to, oh, too hard, and you're just like, dude, you gotta calm down. Let me figure stuff out. Yep. Or, like, um, I, I will start, uh, like, breathing differently, and then once I become aware of that, it's like, oh... Something's going on. We need to like try to turn my brain back on to these parts that actually can access it. Or like, I won't be able to. Oh, all of a sudden, stop being able to express myself. Stop being able to verbalize what it is. Oh, 
you're uh, you're about to have a panic attack. Mm. You know, things like that. It's like, okay, th- these are the somatic signs of how your mental health is being affected. You don't want to be an any semantic. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Um, there's a there's a great book. Um, I haven't read it all the way through, but I'm going that through book. it. Called uh, the body keeps score, and okay. it is literally about how your body uh, processes PTSD okay. and complex PTSD. Interesting. And like all the different signs of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So I assume you can solve murder mysteries. Because you got OCD. So I'm just assuming you're just like Adrian yeah. Monk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep, that's me. Yep, that's that's me. I, I have <laughs> no, I have a little bit too much um, empathy, so I don't have the uh, sociopathology that uh, Sherlock Holmes does, and I can't solve mysteries. I see, I see. It's, so it's really like, I can, but also, then I can't. Okay, so this is going to sound like every, every genius we've ever had has been mentally ill and then we look at mentally ill people and like oh they don't contribute do they and it's very frustrating and it must be also be very frustrating to people who are mentally ill but don't feel like they're geniuses and and you're good at something like it is that thing of like you, it is a superpower and all, it is my gift it is my curse I'm Spider-Man like it is it, every Everything has a plus and a minus, I feel like. Society really likes to romanticize mental illness in our fiction mm-hmm. and otherize it in reality. Otherize? Meaning it, it's me, not that, it's something it, else. No, it's, it's separate from me. You are an other. Uh, I see. don't have to deal with you. I don't want to deal with you. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as, so like, as long as it's not real, it's acceptable. The yeah. minute that it becomes real and becomes not romantic and not pretty, then, <laughs> then they, yeah. then it needs to be shut down. It needs to be silenced. It needs to go away so we don't have to deal with it. Yeah. It's almost like society has its own PTSD. Yeah. Um, but it is like, but it is like. It's, Okay, I'm just jumping way back. I remembered a thing I was going to say. Um, when you were talking about um, every part of you has the disease, no matter how much you're running. I came to this interesting thought, I think, um, with characters that I play. Like, is every character I play mentally ill? Because I am. Just like, but, or do you play, like, you, you play neurotypical, like a, a gay man would play straight. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, do you think everything is defined by that, or...? No. I think, okay. like, like what you're saying with the... Or what we were saying earlier with the... You use the tools that you have, yeah. but you leave the shit at the door. Okay. Um, so if you... You can play a neurotypical person, just like you could... Like, a neurotypical person could play a mentally ill person. That's fair. Um... You can also, that extends to creating a character yeah. in general. So you can, like, I can right. write neurotypical characters. I have. Yeah. Like, they do exist. Um. <laughs> but how can you trust that the your a version of it isn't skewed? Because you come from this other perspective. You listen to other people who come from that perspective. Okay. Just like. You just empathize with other people. I mean, 
male writers write women all the time. How do they make sure that women are portrayed correctly? Okay. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like any other. Heard. Yeah, and that's also another thing of, like, there's this, specifically on, like, Tumblr and stuff, there's this huge movement of, like, only disabled people should play disabled characters, only um, people of color should write about people of color, and it's like, yeah, I hear you, but also the way we'll be able to understand everyone better is by going through this outlet. Like, that's always the first step is, I think, art and creates empathy. I think there's there's a little bit of difference, too, in that um, part of that is... uh because of erasure of those voices in general. Um, so, like, the reason that disabled people should... Um, okay, you hear it too. <laughs> Good. I'm like, oh, buddy. Here Apocalypses are coming. My ears are gonna bleed. <laughs> no, um, Some kid outside is going, yeah. See? Yep, yep. I, I, see, I see that. It's actually a siren. Well, you know what's weird? When I think of the word siren, I don't think that. I think we, we, like I like, I've never heard those sirens ever. But that's I think of France. So we're gonna let this pass. Yeah. Um, we were like a bad gallstone. We weren't talking about something important. Um, a razor. Right, right. So you have people. Um, the reason that people want minorities to represent the minorities yeah is because as a whole we try to speak for them and we choose our voices over theirs so often Mm -hmm. that so often in fact that when we're talking about it we use us us as the majority and them as the minority yep whereas i just realized that i did that yep um despite the fact that like I was thinking about this yeah. this week that like I'm in the minority for pretty much every category except for racial privilege. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And and I think it speaks volumes as to how important we the importance that we place on racial privilege that that's the that's the like that's how I just automatically talk. Yeah. Um. I mean, our country was founded on a bunch of white guys looking out for white people. I just read this thing of, like, the reason the, the gun law, like, the gun laws happened the way they do is, like, uh, people were worried about slaves running away, and so we had to make sure we had a militia to combat that. And I'm like, oh, number one, that makes a lot of sense. Number two, then fucking get rid of that shit. We don't have slaves anymore, thank God. <sighs> like the other fucked up thing when you think about that is like that happened like what two hundred odd years ago, right? Yeah, I don't know. Seventeen seventy six is when we were found. like, dude, I'm so bad at recent history. But like, it was very like okay, so that'd be three hundred some odd years ago. So two hundred some odd years. Yeah, fuck you. I was right, man. That's three generations. Like if you go like seventy five average, average ish. Like, no, it, I'm still doing math right. Don't look at me like I'm not. It's like three generations ago, people still own people. Yeah, yeah. How fucked up was that? Yeah, yeah. Um. How? B- but in terms of the arts, because I'm bringing this back to the arts. That's, yeah, I just, um, come back down from the sky, Tristan. Yes. People in the majority can play people in the minority, but... 
if you can get people in the minority to mm -hmm. play them, that should be the preference. I agree. Um, and this was really hard for me to really agree with because there's a role that is um, Puerto Rican that I really want to play. And I could play it. I could learn the accent. I would learn, you know, all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. Um, I shouldn't play that. I shouldn't be the first person they go to. And so I always reckoned, like, if I was ever asked, if I was ever in a position where they would ask me to do it, I'm like, go to everybody that is actually from Puerto Rico. And you can't find someone who can do everything that this role requires. Come back to me. And you're good. But I think Lin-Manuel Miranda is the person who should play Emilio Santos from The Sparrow, which is what I'm talking about. Because he's from, he's Puerto Rican. And he's so good. Um, but yeah. yeah. And there's, it's, it's also very important to recognize that with majority minorities, we never, <laughs> we never go the other way. We never have a minority play a majority. We only have the majority play the minority. Exceptions are happening now, which is great. Yes. But that's a very recent development, and, it, and I would argue that it has happened because people have insisted yep. that minorities have voices too. Yep, and I think that's a really good and positive thing we're doing. Like, yep. Hamilton's a great example, because there are a bunch of, like, people of color playing a bunch of old white people. Yep. And then um, this latest version of Les Miserables has been very person of color happy. I, I get a little uncomfortable saying, like, I, I see that that's generally the term at least used on the internet but I've never heard yeah like I hope that's the politically correct like Pat Oswald does this great bit but like terms are always changing I mean well just please just I, just you know that I mean well when it comes from a place of good I, I think it, it is it's what people have been um, claiming for yeah. themselves uh, it always so I I I respect that, and I like. Mm -hmm. I use it because I see people claiming that term for themselves. Mm -hmm. I do so with the knowledge that <laughs> it's based on a very black and white point of view. Yeah. It is very much based on an us versus them and a binary. Yep. And people are not. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, there's there are so many uh, different shades of mm -hmm. your skin tone. And there are different ethnicities, and so and also, I, I try very hard to go with ethnicity versus skin color, mm -hmm. but I recognize that that's what they claim, and that's their empowerment. And also a really great example is, like, um, Louis C.K., he's half Mexican, like, from Mexico. He lived in Mexico mm -hmm. for the first part of his life. He is ginger as fuck, mm -hmm. and you would never guess that. And so it's like, okay, nothing may, like, nothing is a given anymore. Like, and specifically, specifically with America and, like, oh, for our heritage, we, like, there's a couple of adopted people and, like, we could be anything. We have no idea. Like, um, and so, like, it is that, like, nothing is, nothing is quantifiable all the time. There's, there's two things to remember, I think, when it comes to identifiers. Yeah. Um, the first is how society perceives you and the types of privileges that you get mm -hmm. from it. Um, so, <laughs> when a person is labeled white mm -hmm. or a person of color, there's a very strong socio connotation to that. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, and it, it determines a lot of things in your life. Yep. 
Um, and the second thing is the fact that you you have the power to basically identify as whoever the hell you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I spoke with the British accent for several years. Yes. So, like, you can choose to identify as a person of color, and people have to respect that. You can choose to identify as your nationality, and that has to be respected, too. You can choose to do both, yep. and that's totally cool, too. Yep. Um, but there's, there's definitely a personal and a socio-component com- mm. to, to it. Yeah. What's interesting, and I love that this is happening more and more, um, specifically with our generation, there's this idea that you don't get to decide what other people are. And we're a very hyper-individualized world now because of that, and I think it has a lot to do with the internet, to be honest. Um, because we became like everyone's everything because of this global thing that happened um but also at the same time we've made ourselves hyper individualized because of that but it's like that that um for example you don't get to decide like at louis ck there's that louis ck quote of you don't get to decide when someone is hurt you don't get to decide that you didn't hurt them like because you did like you you're not in charge of that just like you're not in charge of how people identify their gender or their race or or any like factors that way and it's also just none of your business really it's none of your business and the only thing that matters is do they uh, do they function well in society are they killing people are they breaking any laws no then like and that's the thing for so long specifically with uh the laws need to be changed now I feel like because it's an old system, it's a broken system. Where do and what's dumb is it's an old system now when it's only two hundred some odd years old. And I should, years ago. I should really know how long old the United States is. I feel like I'm a bad U.S. citizen. Like I'm an ugly American sometimes. Um, but it's. Things do have to be changed because, we, and like the that's so why there's been so much conflict with like gun laws and police lately, and like because things are different now, and we're still holding on to the old ways. And it's pain. And it's a uh, it's a struggle because um, we are a nation that has been founded upon silencing others. Yeah. And like you said, looking out for the white people, white males. As a cis white person, I've had a, I'm, I lucked out. No, cis white male. Yeah. Um, and so now that people want to be heard and want us to look out for them as well, I said at us again, it's really not me. I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean though. But you are part of several, like, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, yep, the, the us versus them has been so ingrained that even though I have more quote-unquote minority in me than quote-unquote majority in me, I still cling to that majority mm. privilege and say, no, I'm really over here with the, with the quote-unquote good people. Well, you also need, like, someone on the inside to change things up. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the double agent. Yeah, you gotta get a... 
Hercules Mulligan thing up in here. Um, but it's also this thing of, um, I can't remember what, oh, it was X-Men. It was X-Men. I was like, well, uh, once again, X-Men is so important. Um, it is the duty of those who are stronger to help those who are not. Not the other way around. Yep. And that is what we are missing, and that's why I think, um, I don't think he's going to be our president. But why I would like to see someone like Bernie in a position of power, because his ethos seems to be based off of that. Um, Patrick Stewart has this great quote of, I'm, it seems that people only listen to old white men, and I as one of those, I think I should have something important to say. And it's that. And it's, if you are in this position of power and privilege, you have to use that for good. You have to use your, comes great responsibility. This is why comic books and art are so important, because you teach you how to live. Um, yeah, sometimes they're not. Sometimes you get, like, every three really bad Fantastic Four movies and they don't mean anything. Sometimes you get Batman versus Superman. Yeah, the best part of that movie is the fact that Neil deGrasse Tyson is in it. That's my favorite thing. Um, but, like, uh, and that's why I think we also cling, as a society, like, and our generation clings very heavily to all this media that's being generated is because it's a world in which... some good is happening and things and like I feel like we're trying to borrow from it and it kind of goes through I think the internet created more as a society a fractured identity if that makes sense I'm tying everything together mm -hmm. it's gotta be like a big old bow uh, rabbit goes down the hole um but it created this thing and we're just trying to borrow from everything around us and trying to fix um what's going on. And I think every generation does that to a certain point. But I also feel like ours has been very, very vocal about everything because we realize we have that power. There's also, I don't, I always wonder this. I wonder how vocal the United States actually is outside of the United States. That's fair. Because I know that like, it feels very loud in here. But we are also... They're very out loud out there, too. Yeah. Um, because, like, you d we don't hear about European politics very no, often. No. And we, and so I don't it's know, just, like... I think that, like, oh, yeah, the vice prime minister of England... Like, some English person of great note was, like, stabbed to death within the last week. And I only note it... Note it... I only note it because uh, I came on my Tumblr dash thing. And that's the only reason I note about it. But yeah, like, I only knew about it because of that, and like, it's bizarre, and... <sighs> I know that uh, New Zealand is having an avocado shortage, and so it spiked a crime rate. Uh, People crime rate. stealing avocados? Yep, they, they went to their... Their lives are so hard. No, they, they, people legitimately went to several orchards. And just and, started stealing avocados? And, like, got all of the crops. Oh, that's to, bad. To sell on the black market. That's fascinating. So that so not only did they like steal all of the crops and all the livelihood of these orchard, orchards. Um, yeah, what is the term for farmer? Orchard, orchard farmer. Um, there is a term. Orchard tier. Anyway, 
but they're also selling them on the black market. They're also, they uh, picked them before they were completely ripe. And it was apparently right after they had, like, put a bunch of pesticides on them. So they might or might not be safe to consume. God, people suck. I'm like... I don't, it's not, uh, the, it isn't escaping me the irony of a bunch of kiwis stealing some fruit. I was like, the, the best comment I that I saw vegetables. was like, uh, fruit, I believe. Okay. But, um, oh, I guess the seeds inside. But the best uh, comment that I saw on it was like, uh, no one should care about avocados. Now, if it was a kiwi shortage, mm-hmm. that would yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like, um,. But that's the international news that I know. Yeah, and it's also this thing of, like, it's a similar, like, world politics are similar to internal politics, and everyone has their own thing going on, and it's how you interact with other people that really matters. Like, if all of a sudden New Zealand's like, okay, we're going to go to wherever, and we're going to steal their avocados, that would be an issue. Whereas I'm sure, talking like Kevin Klein, I'm sure they're not doing that. Though we do export, um, or import, rather, Avocados from New Zealand. I so. didn't even know they had a New Zealand mar- uh, New Ze- an avocado market in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was always. I suppose they're moderately temperate there. That's bizarre. Did not know that. I also was. Uh, how do I know all these New Zealanders? I was also listening to the um, New Zealand flag. Uh, oh yeah, because they're thing. thinking about changing it because it looks too much like Australia, right? Yep, and so they had like this competition for everybody. So I was like looking at Just all a bunch the of sheep. Flags designs and yeah. how they were um, discussing the the silver fern mm-hmm. as a symbol and all so, do you mean a white tree yeah it's gotta be that it's gotta be that yep yeah. no they were they were like what do people think about when they think about New Zealand they think about hobbit holes yep <laughs> like, a bit yeah yep I think about hobbits and hawkers that's what I think hobbits and hawkers would be an excellent name for a rock band number one number two that's, or like a diner. Also, in, yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the the new trailer or the, the first trailer for Mona came out. Oh yeah, I saw. And I was that like, it happened. Not that it. Yeah, and I, I did a review of it because um, I reviewed trailers for those of you who don't know. Um, yeah, it was like window bagos. They're good. Yeah, yeah, and I. <laughs> and, I <was> like, <laughs> and I was like, I was watching this trailer. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it I don't think Mona talks at all yeah. in the trailer. It is all based or it's all focused on her uh, side on the side character um, Maui, who is a uh, Maori um, deity. Okay, or is a it, demigod. Demigod. Uh, it's 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 I don't know anything about it. It's set in New Zealand then. Yeah, yeah. I am so in. I love. Yep. Fucking it's, love kiwis, um, man. It's an oceanic, oceanic, uh, pre it's prehistory. Yeah, it's yeah okay. Um, but it looks so it's all cool. focused on him and like, and the first shot is this demigod like doing adventurous stuff. Yep. Turns out it's a tattoo on this demigod's uh, body, nice. and then he then goes in to do part of. Um, Ahaka? Yeah. That's awesome. And, but I'm sitting here going, what does America know about Maori? Yep. Tattoos, pockets. That's true. Also, you took this movie about this 
oceanic woman. Yep. And you immediately throw, throw it on the, the advertising into a male stereotypical this is what we know about Maori culture. Yep. And I'm like, guys, 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 I don't, I don't really actually care about this demigod who is voiced by Dwayne Johnson. I'm like, Guys. <laughs> you, you can't you can't Guys. see, but I'm actually smiling and really pleased that it's Dwayne Johnson. Um, which is which is fine. I love. And like they at least cast great. someone in that. Yeah. E- ethnic. Yeah. It of oceanic descent. But like, for those who don't know, the film was like created as a response to Frozen being about white people. Yeah. And so they were like, well, we need to actually create a CGI uh, Disney female character mm-hmm. who is of color and voiced appropriately. And mm-hmm. all that. So they did this big competition to find the yep. right voice actress of proper ethnicity. Yep. Um, and it was this whole big thing about yep. empowering women of color. And then the, the whole and trailer then the is. The trailer is this. It is not only a male st- stereotyped in that, like, not that it's But a very masculine, very, like, burly guy. And not that, like, the they're, not that they're wrong, but yeah, tattoos yeah. and hakas are... They are a major part of Maori culture. But, but it's not nuanced at all. It's mm-hmm. not like... And then they, they take the their like their initial intention and just silence her yeah they literally just silenced the the whole point of this movie <laughs> in their trailer well, in their trailer well hopefully and, the movie will be better than the yeah. trailer like and that's the other thing about like you have to realize with trailer like um i was having some argument i was having a margin with my friend h um and he was saying like oh all the best jokes were in the trailer. I'm like, yeah, of course, because that is what's going to get them to go to the movie. Yep. And the thing that, like, is going to appeal to the most of the common denominator is going to be the thing they put in the trailer. And that's why all the Star Wars trailers that came out for Force Awakens were, like, super nostalgic. Like, the movie it was also very super nostalgic. But, like, specifically the the second and third one. I guess the first teaser trailer was all the new people and thank yeah. God for that. And like that was very deliberate on JJ's part of like, hey, these people are also part of this movie. But um No, yeah. and I get that. And I get that the a lot of what they're doing is um maintaining the mystery of her character yeah. so that people are still interested and they're yep. not like judging her before the movie mm-hmm. comes out. I mm-hmm. get that. But at the same time the irony was not lost on me. It's like we created this movie to give voice to a marginalized uh, culture, mm-hmm. part of our country, and then we advertise it by pointing out just how we're going to silence that. I really like the more. I, I just get sad because uh, the more I think about how we've treated native cultures like, across the board as white people. I say us as white people. It is horrific and terrible, and like I don't like. Obviously, a great example is the Native Americans because we're in America. But like also the way they treat the Aboriginal people in Australia, and the way mm-hmm. they treat Maori people in New Zealand. Um, 
another great example of like um, it's not colorblind. There's got to be a better way for it to be said, but like you don't know someone's background. Um, Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords is half Maori. Mm-hmm. Like he's not white, and he makes a big stink about it. Specifically, um, Richard Awadi from I think that's how you say his name. It's really white person. Um, like he's uh, he plays Moss on IT. You know, the mm-hmm. specky guy. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people's like, oh, Jermaine's like the white version of Moss from IT, and Jermaine has a fit about it because he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not white, and you gotta recognize that just because you don't see it doesn't mean yep. it's not there, and I think that's also um, a thing tying into with mental illness. You don't see things, and so you can't assume. The biggest thing I've ever learned not to be loved and loved returned, because that's bullshit, and I've been cured of my ridiculous obsession with love, um, is you don't know where someone's coming from. So treat them with respect. Every day. And if you have a hard time with that, you explain why. It's like, I'm not feeling well myself today. So if I'm surly and abrasive, I'm furious, um, that's why that's and so if you think basically it comes down to communication we got to talk more Mm -hmm. as a society i think we got to talk more and And that's listen more yeah and that's we got to communicate better that's what we've been doing for the last two hours two and a half and i think i'm gonna wrap it up i'm gonna do this two-parter it's gonna be good though that being said 10 minutes of it is me just checking my phone there that break well, that's okay. He yeah. can, you can uh, Edit that out. cut out some important stuff to leave that in. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for coming on and doing this. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. And this gives me two weeks of material. So thank you for that. Well, yep. Um, also, I want to thank Tyler, Ankenman, for letting me use his mic all these episodes. Uh, Tyler. Yep. It is awesome for letting us use the mic. Badoob. It's my time. It's Tyler's mic. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Long days and blizzard nights again. And, um... Oh, buddy, that was long.